Wherever cancer is, Hancock Health will fight. In any part of you and in all corners of East Central Indiana. From Indianapolis to Greenfield to Knightstown to Greensburg. From hospital rooms to family rooms, we fight. With technology and medicine. With care backed by the wisdom of Mayo Clinic. For you, for your family, and for your future in Decatur County. We fight cancer here. HancockHealth.org slash cancer. Good morning. Today is Tuesday, December 6th. It is six minutes after 11. His name is Rob Kendall and my name is Casey Daniels and we're glad you're here today. We're going to start off this hour talking about Kirstie Alley. The actress best known for her role as Rebecca Howe on the sitcom Cheers has passed away. She was 71 years old. A statement was released saying that we are sad to inform you that our incredible, fierce and loving mother has passed away after a battle with cancer. So we were talking with Hammer after his segment and he made a very interesting point Mm -hmm. and the more I think about it the more spot on he is Cheers Mm -hmm. is one of the only shows you can think of where they switched major characters in the show and not only did the show not suffer I think most people will say it got better yeah Woody Harrelson was Mm -hmm. probably better than Coach and I think that Kirstie Alley was better than Shelley Long. Than Shelley Long. Yeah. Now I know people. It's you know it's like you know Sammy Hagar, David Lee Roth. People are gonna have all sorts of opinions on that. But there are not many shows that you can think of where major central characters, in the case of Cheers, not once but twice, were switched out, and the thing just kept rolling like a freight train, which is a tribute to the talent of those people. Mm-hmm. She has been in a lot of different movies. Look who's talking. The whole franchise. Yeah. Drop Dead Gorgeous. Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, Summer School. Didn't realize that until- Yeah, with, you know, uh, with Mark Harmon. Mm-hmm. You know Mark Harmon's greatest role? He played Ted Bundy in the uh, television miniseries. For Richer, For Poor. Uh, deep, you just skipped right over that. I, I figured did. you would have been like, wow, I'd, did you even know he'd played Ted Bundy? No. Uh, when I was a kid, my parents had it and taped it, and I used to watch it all the time, and I thought that was what Ted Bundy actually looked like. And then I, it was not until I was older that I actually realized that that was not what Ted Bundy actually looked like. Mark Harmon was fabulous. This was must have been in the 80s mm-hmm. that he played Ted Bundy, and he was phenomenal as Ted Bundy. And not nothing from you, not even, wow, I didn't know that, or that that's really interesting. So, just nothing. You just I've actually right. seen the house that Ted Bundy lived in, and it's kind of creepy. It was like the tour when I first got to Tallahassee, and that's the house. Yeah. And there's, but what does that have there's to do with the stairs on the side. I don't know. But you what does that have to do with the random fun fact I just presented to you that Mark Harmon played te- just nothing? What does that have to do with Kirstie Alley? Because you mentioned away? Summer School, which starred Mark Harmon. <laughs> okay. Yes, Kevin. Uh, so let me get this straight. You used to watch a Ted Bundy movie religiously. Not religiously, kid. but every so often. And you know who else played a great serial killer? Was Brian Dennehy, played John Wayne Gacy, also in a television miniseries in the whatever that was late 80s or early 90s mm-hmm. also phenomenal and i again thought that's what john wayne gacy looked like <laughs> until i realized actor. that it was it's the actor playing uh yes nothing on either one of those okay great no the, no carry on go ahead <laughs> yeah kirstie ellie's an, an emmy winner she won a golden globe and uh latest latest performance well of course she was a spokesperson for jenny craig that's right yeah and uh, lost a lot of weight doing that. And then as soon as she stopped being the spokesperson, she gained a lot of it back. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, she was on some reality TV shows as well, Dancing with the Stars, Celebrity Big Brother, The Masked Singer. Isn't it interesting, too, how <clears throat> for so many of these people, like 
if you were and you were you've you've been in the entertainment industry, Casey, so you know how this works. You've been a manager, you've been a television star, you've done it all. <laughs> uh, but like, okay, if I'm Kirstie Alley, and I get everybody's got to get paid, mm-hmm. but you were an integral part of one of the most epic TV shows ever, right? So you're on this pedestal. And I'm always amazed then at the roles that what I picture as high profile celebrities will take later on. Like Kelsey Grammer, okay, he transitioned into Frasier. Right. And he's done some movies. Some of them were hits, some of them were not. Mm-hmm. But he and he did the TV show Boss, which is phenomenal. Still should have been should be on the air. He played the mayor of Chicago. He was great. But you never picture Kelsey Grammer as doing like my celebrity big brother episode 37 like you just don't right. it seems like many of these people towards the end they just start doing random things and it kind of in a weird way diminishes it diminishes their previous, yes, that's their the word I'm looking for because success. you were so great on these shows mm-hmm. um, and then you just stop you're doing stuff that it just seems like it's beneath you I don't know maybe that's a terrible way to look at it well she was a working actress so she needed to make money I guess or she didn't need to make money and just did it out of passion for the industry. Yeah, somebody in the YouTube chat also pointed out Kelsey Grammer's greatest role, Sideshow Bob on The Simpsons. Oh. Phenomenal as Sideshow Bob, yes. Yeah. Uh, what was your favorite role of Kiersey Alley? Well, was, so, it, was it Cheer on Cheers? Well, maybe, but here's the thing. Summer School mm-hmm. is one of the more forgotten great little movies that you may or may not have seen. And I also, uh, when I was a kid... In, especially like in junior high, in the summers, I would just watch Comedy Central nonstop. They would have uh, Dr. Katz, professional therapist. They would have The Critic with John, reruns of all these shows. You've seen Dr. Katz, professional therapist. I know based on the way you responded to that, that you've not only seen it, you know what a great show it is. Don't, no, you can't even, because you know. <laughs> Keep going. You know, you're, yes. your fav, that's your fave? No, 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 I was just saying. And then, so I used to watch Comedy Central during the summer, uh, during s- summers when I was like in junior high school. And they would play summer school quite a bit as mm-hmm. their movie after they would get through their cartoons and repeats or whatever. Edited for television. Now, why were you smiling and nodding when I said Dr. Katz, professional <laughs> therapist? it's ridiculous. You've never seen it? No. Oh, my gosh. It sounds ridiculous. What it's a, it was a, a, Katz was the guy's last real last name, and it was a terribly drawn cartoon in the uh, late, like mid to late 90s where he was a therapist and various celebrities. Mm-hmm. Also drawn terribly, would come and s- sit on, on his couch, couch. Okay. and it was voiced by the real celebrities and all these people. And this was like in the early days before everything was on the internet, so you realized what all degenerate pervert weirdos these people all are, and they would like ad- basically admit it to him mm-hmm. on the couch. But it was under the guise that they were this character right. on the couch. No, they were playing they were themselves. It was like so and so would like I don't know. I think I'm trying to pick people who I think were on the show, and, I, and if it's wrong. I'm I'm sorry, but like I think Dave Attell. Mm-hmm. Would be would be on the couch mm-hmm. talking to this guy as David Tell. Yeah, I cannot believe you've never seen. But this. it was a cartoon. It was like, like it, was- it was a terribly drawn cartoon. Like if you think South, the original South Park was drawn bad. Yeah. these are even worse than the South, the original South Park drawings. And this guy, Cat, lived with his adult son, who was also a total zero. You have to watch uh, Doctor Cat's Professional Therapist. It's it was one of the best worst shows ever. One of the best worst yeah. shows. Now, have you seen Kirstie Alley in Drop Dead Gorgeous? No. You've never seen this movie? It's a That's a woman movie. 
Why would I watch that? Came out in 1999. It was a comedy, actually. And I think she played the part of Gladys Lehman. And uh, Allison Janney was in it. And... Um, <sighs> Some some other young beautiful actress was in it. Uh, hilarious, hilarious movie. And here's a part of Kirstie Alley from that. Do you think that most people would say that teenage beauty pageants are a good idea? Oh yeah, sure. I know what some of your big city no bra wearing hairy legged women libbers might say. They might say that a pageant is old fashioned and demeaning to the girls. Yeah. What sick is women dressing like men? Oh, yeah, you betcha, Iris. Yeah. No, I think you boys are going to find something a little bit different here in Montrose. Mm -hmm. For one thing, we're all God fearing folk, mm -hmm. every last one of us. Mm -hmm. And you will not find a back room in our video store. No, no, no that filth is better left to the Sin Cities. <laughs> Kirsten Dunst was the actress who also played ah, in that yes. movie. It is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Good morning. Disgraced lawyer Michael Avenatti has been sentenced to 168 months in prison for four counts of wire fraud. It's a 14-year sentence. In addition to the five years, he's currently serving for other charges, including stealing almost $300,000 in book advance money from his then-client, Stormy Daniels. <laughs> repeat that. Can you repeat that sentence again? Just the last <laughs> sentence. Uh, the, well, he's he's got five years. He's got other charges, including stealing almost $300,000 in book advance money from his then-client, Stormy Daniels. Is okay, that so, what yes, you wanted? Yes, yes. That is the most 2022 thing ever, that a guy who the Democrats once wanted to run for president mm -hmm. is now heading to the pokey for 14 years, in part, uh, part of which he will be serving because he stole money from a book deal with an adult film star. Mm -hmm. That's just the most... <laughs> Just totally the most 2022 thing ever. But he, but he was so wonderful. Well, okay. So here's a little montage of the Democrats, the Democrat liberal members of the media, openly yearning mm -hmm. for Hadi Avenatti, as he was known back mm -hmm. then, to be the face of everything, the run for president. Right. Here's a little montage. He's out there saving the Look, country. It, it, Don Meacham says he may be the savior of the republic. You are something of a folk hero now. I owe Michael Avenatti an apology. I've been saying enough already, Michael. I've seen you everywhere. What do you have left to say? I was wrong, brother. You have a lot to say. I uh, am just dying to hear what you think. Because people all like you. I'm the only person right here Donald Trump fears more than Robert Miller. We think you guys are the tip of the spear that's going to take down Donald Trump. Right. Michael Avenatti's a beast. Okay, that's true. And he, he's a beast. He's a beast. I hand it to yeah. her, and I hand it to Michael Avenatti. But he has a great, bigger calling here. That being a lawyer is minimal compared to what he's doing. No one has talked tougher directly to Donald Trump on TV than Michael Avenatti. And Donald Trump is afraid to mention his name. That's fascinating. So there are two components to this. One is that the Democrats the liberal members of the media desperately wanted this guy to run for president. Mm -hmm. And there was a time where someone running for president held some sort of prestige right in the public's mind or 
lexicon like so-and-so ran for president, even if they didn't win. Like you pictured, even if people ran and they didn't win, you pictured them being like in 1996, Richard Luger ran for president. Didn't win, wasn't close, didn't win the Republican primary. But wow, Richard Luger is an esteemed senator who once ran for president of the United States. There is clout and gravitas with that statement. Think about how quickly we have devolved as a society where this complete scumbucket with no vetting whatsoever was on every media appearance he made for the most part touted promoted as mm-hmm. someone who could ascend to the highest level of governance in this country for no reason other than he was openly mean to Donald Trump. Well, he was seen as the media darling, right? He was the hero David to Donald Trump's Goliath. He wasn't afraid to say things, but it it was a game to him. He was always using the media since since the very beginning before he was a lawyer i don't know if you've seen it it was uh, it's a show on netflix called um pepsi where's my jet <laughs> Yeah, and it's a whole story about Pepsi and how they aired a commercial back in the 80s where if you collected points... Oh, yes, Dan Dockage was talking about this the and, other day. Yeah, and you could you could win a jet. And, and the kid who actually got all the points to win the jet wanted his jet. And Michael Avenatti got involved in this. So if you wanted to see early days of what he was like, he was creepy back then even before he was a lawyer. The show, it's called Pepsi Wears My Jet. It's on Netflix. But um, he, he he got what he deserves. And he, he said, I cared about these people. I helped them and fiercely advocated for them. Yet I later took from them. Well, sure, he later no took- No kidding. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. Of course he took from them because that's what he did. The guy's a total shyster and a scumbag. But there's a bigger part of this too, which is not just- Michael Avenatti and the fact that the Democrats, these are the sort of people that they throw out there because the only requirement they have is whether you're mean to Donald Trump or not. I mean, there was no, there was nothing about Michael Avenatti that you would say, wow, that is a person who has shown a level of governance or a level of understanding of the economy or has, you know, in business. There was, there was absolutely nothing about Michael Avenatti other than the fact that he was art- articulate in his meanness to Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. But that's what the Democrats are looking for. They weren't looking for serious people, which is clear based on the guy they nominated for president. But then it comes back to the conversation we've been having all day, Casey, which is if the voters don't demand serious people have serious solutions to serious problems, then the politicians are not going to be that because all the politicians care about is being politicians. Republicans do it too, though, where we fall in love with people based on nothing other than I think or I've seen, mm-hmm. or I want to believe. I mean, uh, the, in 2008 and 2012, the Republicans nominated uh, or were trying to nominate, or this person was running for president in the sense of uh, 2012 was was uh, Rick Perry. Mm-hmm. And remember, oh my gosh, all these candidates are terrible. It's Romney and Ron Paul and Huckabee, and uh, these people are all terrible. But there's this governor out there in Texas, and if he'll just run, everything will be great. And he waits and waits and waits and waits and gets in. And within three weeks, he's forgetting his own policies and going, oops, on national television. Fred Thompson, same thing in 2008. Oh, McCain's terrible, and Ron Paul's terrible, and... Uh, 
this guy's terrible. If only uh, Fred Thompson would get in. Yeah, but that guy's been out of the game for years. He's been in law and order. Doesn't matter. He'd be great. Gets in there within two or three weeks. He's at like 3% in the polls. Mm-hmm. We fall in love with ideas rather than reality. And, fa- and fantasy political booking and total apathy from the public at large creates disastrous governance. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Can we talk about Dr. Fauci? Do we have to? Well, he was deposed under oath by state GOP attorneys General Eric Schmidt and also Jeff Landry. It was part of their lawsuit against the Biden administration. The two AGs have accused uh, government officials of working with Twitter, YouTube, and Meta. Facebook under the guise of combating misinformation. This is all part of the censorship viewpoints on COVID that went against the Biden administration's position. Okay, so during this deposition, he said, I don't recall 174 times. He didn't recall critical COVID decisions during the deposition. And during this, he asked a court reporter to wear a mask after she sneezed. All right, let's take a break because when we come back, I want to play some audio um, from Fauci, and he was asked if he had any regrets Mm. about his career. And I want to talk about, again, not one but two times, Fauci and Fauci's guidance or leadership or whatever word you want to use Mm -hmm. created major problems for many people, and yet when he's going out the door saying... He didn't regret those things at all. No regrets, not a single letter. All right, that's coming up from 93 WIBC. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Louisiana Attorney General Jeff Landry says the public is going to be shocked when it learns how little Dr. Fauci could recall during last week's deposition about some of the most important actions and discussions when he was the chief medical advisor to Trump and Biden during the pandemic. Yeah, and look, here, here's another example, again, of the the truth. We have created a society where the truth doesn't matter. It's whatever the narrative is, and we, so many of us, just needlessly or mindlessly go along with the narrative. And the reality for Fauci is, just because you've been somewhere a long time mm-hmm. doesn't mean you are good at it. <laughs> to me, we know who's good at things and who aren't on how they behave under crisis, right? Why is Michael Jordan one of the greatest basketball players of all time, if not the greatest basketball player of all time? Because he always seemed to come up big in the big moment, yeah, right? Even during the, the flu game, right? one of his best ever. In the case of Anthony Fauci, yes, he was somewhere forever, but there were two major crises that pre- presented themselves in the Fauci's time in this very important position, AIDS and HIV mm-hmm. and COVID. 
And in both cases, AIDS and HIV and COVID, he made the almost the exact same mistake, which was foolheartedly focusing on an imaginary vaccine which did not exist and was not anywhere close to existing on any sort of level of re- reliably preventing the thing in question from happening. It still hasn't happened with AIDS and HIV. They made major strides on that, but there is still not a full, full-blown vaccine. And there is, certainly hasn't happened with COVID in which you can get a vaccine, but it doesn't prevent you from getting COVID, as we clearly know. And in both cases, Fauci was advising, was focusing on these imaginary, in, the invention of these non-existent vaccines versus therapy therapeutics and dealing with the thing in question. AIDS and HIV has not become a death sentence anymore because the focus on, you know, treating it and people have been able to live long, happy, relatively healthy lives to the point where it's almost non-existent on tests or not completely non-existent on tests in some people. Same thing with COVID. People have done better when they're treated right with COVID, but it wasn't a vaccine that prevented people from getting COVID. And yet, instead of just laughing at this guy and shaming him on his way out the door, we we as a collective post him, put him up on some sort of pedestal. And he got asked in an interview about if he has any regrets. And if you would think you've colossally blown it on not one, but two major crises in your existence, you would say, yeah, I really regret blah, 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 blah. Nope. No. Take a listen. Yasmin, no. And I know they're going to, people are going to respond to that. Um, who say, well, what does he think? He's perfect. Absolutely. I'm the first to admit I'm far from perfect. But when you say do over, you know, I really can't see something that I would do completely over. (laughs) Nothing. It's all good here. He's going to retire at the end of the month. And uh, people like Rand Paul have said that they want to investigate him and see how much gain-of-function research is because of him and if that leaked and Fauci said on Monday when talking to Americans one thing he wouldn't change it but one thing that he learned is that when talking to Americans be clear that science is often a moving target so here's the guy who has increased his net worth by five million dollars in the past couple years since 2019 Isn't that amazing how many people get rich in the government? All right, Casey, we need something to lighten the mood here on this show. Mm -hmm. And John Kennedy, he's a senator (laughs) from Louisiana. Mm -hmm. He was campaigning for Herschel Walker yesterday. The Georgia Senate runoff vote is today. Yeah. And he was having himself a good old time. And I said, this show needs an uplift. And nothing is going to uplift this show like hearing John Kennedy talk about just stupid people in the Democrat Party. These woke, high-IQ stupid people, they're easy to recognize. They hate George Washington. They hate Thomas Jefferson. They hate Dr. Zeus, and they hate Mr. Potato Head. (laughs) These woke, high-IQ stupid people, they walk around, they walk around with Ziploc bags of kale that they can eat to give them energy. Now, if you want to eat kale, that's up to you. I don't eat kale. You know why? Because kale tastes to me like I'd rather be fat. (laughs) And these high IQ stupid people, the wokers in charge in Washington, D.C., the berserk wing of the Democratic Party, they hyperventilate on their yoga mats 
if, if you use the wrong pronoun. They're all over Washington, D.C. <laughs> He's also, besides telling you how he feels about kale, mm-hmm. urging Georgia voters to pick Herschel Walker instead of high IQ people. Uh, more from <laughs> Senator Kennedy, because he's great. So I want you to go vote. I want you to go vote. Did I mention I want you to go vote? Look at it this way, folks. If dead people can do it, so can you. <laughs> God bless you. Well, whoever wins is going to be the first black person elected from the state to a full Senate term in Georgia. And uh, how long do you think before we'll know the results of that race? Oh, it just depends on hours, how creative the Jelly Bean County has to get. Who, who, who knows? I, I, I want to think that people will do the right thing, but I don't know. It doesn't look very good for Herschel Walker. And if it isn't, then I will have been wrong. And it's very rare that I'm ever wrong, Casey. So I really need them to come through here tonight. Okay, so uh, before we leave, quickly, let's touch on how uh, Taylor Swift fans are deciding to sue Ticketmaster following their fumbled pre-sale. This is uh, according to the complaint. Fans are suing for damages. Because from fraud and price fixing, um, but Ticketmaster apologized. So isn't everything okay? I don't understand how you can be harmed if you didn't. They didn't take your money. I'm not sure exactly. Somebody, a man of the law. Maybe we can have. Maybe we can ask Abdul about this on Thursday. I'm not exactly sure how you can be harmed. And by the way, you didn't have to go to the Taylor Swift concert. You should mm-hmm. be giving them money. They kept you from having to go to the Taylor Swift concert. You should be throwing dollars at Ticketmaster. Thank you. Thank, Thanks for thank, all you've thank done. You. Uh, well, in regards to Ticketmaster and, and being upset with them, we'll stand in line. They've been doing this for 30 yeah, years. Yeah, remember the good old this days? This isn't new. Remember the good old days where you used to, have to camp out for, you know, the night before, pitch your tent at, you know, midnight, record store opens at, you know, uh, 8 a.m. to get in there and be first in like Kevin knows what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. He's not in agreement. Oh, I remember those days. <laughs> You do not. I barely remember those days. The Ticketmaster <laughs> website has always been bad. They've, they, I mean, Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam and U.S. Congress in the 90s, they couldn't resolve it back then. What? And now the Taylor Swift fans are saying, you know, well, you've never met Taylor Swift fans before. So oh, I've met Taylor Swift I, fans hey, before. Hey, good luck, Taylor Swift fans. If they think they can take Ticketmaster down, then... Here's the deal. When 20 million people want something, mm-hmm. and there's only 2 million of something available, <laughs> it's going to be really hard to get it. Yeah. Okay. So, so what's coming up? So when we come back, there's a big event coming up at Gainbridge Fieldhouse mm-hmm. on the 15th of December, and it is the Christian Music Group King & Country. These guys, two brothers, uh, Joel and Luke Smallbone, they're amazing. They've won Grammys. People love them. They're they're awesome. And one of them, Joel Smallbone, <laughs> yeah. going to be with us when we come back to talk about playing at Gainbridge Fieldhouse. Perfect. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, 
jamming out to something new, and everything in between. WIBC, it is the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob. Casey's here. There is a big event, big music event, coming up December 15th at Gainbridge Fieldhouse. And it is with the group for King and Country. They are doing their Drummer Boy Christmas, the 2022 tour experience. And man, if you haven't heard of King and Country, they are Christian artists who are taking the industry by storm. They've won four Grammys. They're nominated for the 2023 Grammy for Best Contemporary Christian Music Performance and Song for their hit single, For God Is With Us. And joining us now on the drivehubler.com hotline is Joel Smallbone of For King and Country. Joel, how's it going, man? Oh, top of the morning to you. Uh, man, it, it's uh, we're like full swing in the Christmas season, aren't we? Like it just, I don't know where it came from, but I was driving around Nashville, Tennessee, where we live the other day, and it's like the Christmas lights are up, you know, People are singing carols. Santa Claus is showing up. It's uh, it's a whole thing. So, man, we're we're we are kids in a lolly shop, as they say in Australia, to be hitting the road. Fifteen dates. Um, you are the third to last show of the whole tour, and uh, we're, so we're finishing strong. And it's it's this is one of our favorite tours of of the year, Rob. So we're. We're really thrilled to be coming your way. Now, Joel, tell us a little bit about your group, because I have told multiple people that I was interviewing you today, and people were losing their minds. Tell us about <laughs> For King and Country and how you guys have just kind of taken the world by storm. Well, uh, it's kind of you to say. We are a an Australian export, if you will. Uh, our dad, music was always a part of our life growing up. Our dad was a concert promoter, so he'd bring artists and bands down to Australia, Sydney Opera House and the whole thing. And uh, uh, he lost, uh, sort of financially disgraced in Australia, so packed 16 suitcases. He and my mum, 16 suitcases, six kids, one on the way, sort of the Australian version of Von Fat Family. We moved halfway around the world to America. We started over. Our sister became an artist, Rebecca and James, sort of a gospel Christian artist for, for years. And, and dad needed cheap labor, so as teenagers, we became the road crew, all of us uh, sons. And then Luke and I, Luke is the brother just under me, um, who we didn't get along growing up, um, but music really brought us back together. We started a duo that ultimately became the king and country, and we just celebrated 10 years of officially being at it together. So we're, uh, we're, we're, we're proud, and man, it's just been a beautiful, a beautiful journey. We're very, we're very proud uh, to be part of the American uh, sort of musical uh, team here, if you will, based out of Nashville. Um, love the heartbeat behind Nashville music and the creativity of country music as well and partnered with a lot of country acts. And so it's a, it's been a great journey that sure. has led us all the way to the Kendall and Casey show. Yeah, we, we love having you guys on. Uh, Joel Smallbone is our guest. He's with the group for King and Country. They're going to be playing. It's a part of their Drummer Boy Christmas, the 2022 tour experience at Gainbridge Fieldhouse. Now, that is not a small venue. I mean, you're talking tens of thousands of people that are going to be there. What is it like to, and you guys do this night in and night out, what is it like to play in front of all those people every single night? Well, let me ask you a question, Rob. Do you ever have the imposter syndrome thing where, like, you show up and you go, well, what, it, what, 
Are people really listening to me? Or like, what, what's your, do you have that thing ever show up? <laughs> well, here, here's what's interesting, Joel, is the fact that in radio, we know that people are listening, right? We see the ratings. Right. We know people are listening. But I don't have to look at them. Like, I get in front of 10 people and I get nervous, yeah, even true. though there's tens yeah. of thousands of people <laughs> listening. But I don't have to see them. You have to see them, my friend. Well, I, I had maybe a similar experience to you then, just uh, last week, because we started the tour last week, right? Uh, or week before last, right after uh, Thanksgiving, where we hadn't done a show uh, for about three months because we've been working on a, a feature film um, that we we're part of. And um, so with the first night, uh, and there was 8,000 people in the first night, and 12,000 people in the second night uh, in Kansas City and Dallas. And I literally showed up, uh, to your point, Rob, and I, I had this very distinct feeling of like what on earth are you all doing here like it's just us guys and so <laughs> to answer your question directly it's a, it's an outrageous feeling you know the fact that you know tens of thousands of people would, would put petrol in their cars or you know and and grab a ticket and 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 put it on their calendar and make a night of it with their family, it's it's a really outrageous concept. I think, you know, all of us are more grateful than ever post-pandemic as well that this is actually still a thing. Because uh, for a moment there, we were like, we weren't sure. And so it's it's outrageous. I think to sum it up in a word, I'd say it's an outrageous feeling. Yeah. Uh, our guest, uh, Joel Smallbone, he is with the group for King & Country. They've got a big show coming up December 15th at Gainbridge Fieldhouse. Now, you have won four Grammys. And I am curious what it is like to hear your name called and get the trophy. I don't know. We, we got nominated for a Marconi. The station did this year. We didn't win, though. So I've been in the nomination side. I've never been on the winning side. That's got to be a great feeling. The first, this is this tells you how much we didn't expect it to win. The first time we were nominated, we actually won two awards in the same year, and um, <laughs> we were doing a show in Nashville, our American hometown, um, part of a larger tour, and we were driving into the show, and someone from our team reached out to us and said, "Hey." Uh, you guys just won two. We won a Grammy Award, and you won a, another one. And man, our brains fell out of our head. We just couldn't. Again, as immigrants, it's like you have these profound moments where you're like, you, you, it's just it's just hard to put on paper. And the fact that it's the industry, you know, the American musical industry coming and saying we sort of endorse you. It's a moment I'll never forget on Highway 65, driving into Bridgestone Arena in Nashville. And you guys got nominated again this year, the 2023 nomination, nomination, Best Contemporary Christian Music Performance. Tell us about the hit single. It's For God Is With Us. It's got Hillary Scott of, of Lady A with you guys. Tell us about it. Yeah, you know, you have these collaborations um, where there's just a beautiful synergy, you know, and, and Hillary and us have sort of, we've circled the wagons for years. We've been supporters of one another. We've seen each other at the Grammy Awards, speaking of. We were there when she won two Grammys a few years back and got to hug her and high-five her in that moment. And and so it was. it's the strangest thing. 2022 has become the year of collaboration for us. We've done a podcast together. We're doing part of this film together. And then we're also part of uh, this uh, this single, uh, For God Is With Us. And, um, you know, the, the, the spiritual overtime and for us has been a very key part of our journey as people and as musicians and and so it was just this is sort of a song that really celebrates the 
through the life and the death of Jesus Christ. And it was this real natural fit. We got on a Zoom call and she was like, hey, I just, I love this song. And what you always hope for is that someone will take a song that you've you've sort of written and will make it the 2.0 version as collaborators. But it doesn't always work that way. And man, my only regret about this song is that her version wasn't the original version because it's so, in my humble opinion, it's so much stronger with her vocal on it than it was uh, prior to. So we're we're really proud. She 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 called us the day you know because we just found out a couple of weeks ago that we nominated, and she's like, oh, I was dancing around the kitchen, you know, so excited about this and. And those are the beautiful moments of, you know, one of the beautiful moments of being a musician. Uh, Joel Smallbone, our guest, he's with the group for King and Country. They've got a big show coming up December 15th, Gainbridge Fieldhouse. You can get uh, more information at GainbridgeFieldhouse.com. And uh, I'm, I'm curious, Joel, the the Christian music industry, man, and, and this is a great thing because of the music itself, of the way it impacts people, the amount of people it impacts, it just seems like it is really thriving and really more and more being accepted, if that's the right word, every day in mainstream America. Talk a little bit about the growth of the industry since you've been in it. Well, I have to credit uh, folks like yourself. You know, I have to credit. Um, it's a combination. It's playlist. It's it's you all. It's 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 folks getting out of what I think was a very '90s kind of early 2000s concept of dividing music up and creating these sort of walls between genres. And what's been lovely to see both on the business side, I feel like on the artist side as well, is people coming together and going, we are going to, you know, not look at our differences as obstacles. We're going to look at our differences as opportunities and, and rub shoulders with one another. And, and the very fact that you come from a different either belief system or, you know, political party or, or ethnic group is actually what makes it beautiful, um, not what makes it odd. And and we felt that, you know, Dolly Parton coming on board, Timberland coming on board for things, like just d- different folks, Kirk Franklin, Tori Kelly, you know, different folks from different walks of life, different ethnicities, different countries coming and saying, let's collaborate and it's been a magical, yeah, it's, 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 it's uh, I'm so fortunate. I really count my blessings that we were born into this era of the music industry because I think it's only up from here. I really do. I think, I think there's going to be more lovely music, you know, 2023 and beyond than we have experienced. Well, the show is December 15th. We're excited. I'm going to try to get out there and see you guys, hopefully get the chance to meet you guys. Uh, Man, keep up the great work. Joel Smallbone, the group is for King and Country. You can see them on their Drummer Boy Christmas 2022 tour experience, December 15th at Gainbridge Fieldhouse. Thanks for the time, my friend. Thank you, Rob. And if you do make it, I want to just promise you there will be curtains falling from the ceiling there's nine of us on stage there's a load of drums naturally we fly into the air about 70 feet at one point it's like it's like the australian version of Cirque du soleil so you i hope you're moved by it if you make it out we love it thank you my friend see you buddy that is gonna do it for us today thank you so much for joining us great job as always casey phenomenal job by kevin on the board hope you have a great rest of your day stick around tony cats coming up next it's Kendall and casey show on 93 wibc